Hi there, and welcome to Dear Fandom, where everything you like is terrible. And that's okay. Sure I'm is. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Megan. And I'm Hillary. And today, we are going to be discussing, uh, for the first time ever, <laughs> uh, my favorite video game in the entire history of uh, video games, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. We already recorded this, but my computer froze, so this is the second time we're recording it. So, apologies if some of her reactions aren't exactly the first authentic reaction, but that's because of the freaking computer which deleted it. But it's fine, because I could talk about The Legend of Zelda probably every day for the rest of my life. I uh, One of the things I didn't include in the last recording was that uh, my I, have, I got my first tattoo last September, right? Yeah, yes, last it September. Like, it was September. It was September. I got my first tattoo last September at 29 years old, the the ripe old age of 29, and it is a uh, it is a picture. It is a uh, picture of Zelda, and it's it's not the Ocarina of Time version, but that doesn't matter because I love Zelda, <laughs> and so I. Uh, let me tell you exactly what The Legend of Zelda is about. So, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time specifically was released for Nintendo 64 in the year 1998. It was uh, revolutionary in the sense that it was the first Zelda game to uh, deal with the 3D kind of pyramid-like 64-bit graphics of Zelda uh, that Zelda had not yet done. It had done 8-bit. It had done 16-bit. It had not yet done 64. What? So, <laughs> so wow. it was it was, it was was absolutely revolutionary for the time. It uh, it was for the N64 controller. So it had an N64 controller, which has been very hard to duplicate or replicate in terms of uh, making it specific to, like, Nintendo DS. They did a remake for Nintendo DS. Not as easy uh, when you don't have such a weird unwieldy controller that you learned when you were eight. Um, so in terms of this, the, now, I, now is the point when I'd ask Hillary, what does she already know about Legend of Zelda? But um, you're going to be like, well, I just well, learned a lot very recently. Well, no, it's okay. I can, I can say what I knew before. Absolutely. I, before I learned, before um, getting the very thorough lesson that I'm about to get again, and I will have it <laughs> tattooed in the uh, abscesses <laughs> of my heart. Um, I, I know pop culture references. Uh, my favorite comedian, uh, Robin Williams, named his daughter after The Legend of Zelda. Her name, Zelda Williams. Um, and they did a little, you can look it up, like, Robin Williams Zelda commercial. It's really, really cute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they have him, him and her playing the game. And, um, uh, our favorite band, Motion City Soundtrack, re recorded a song, uh, called it's like a bunch of uh symbols like expletive i don't know how to pronounce it they pronounced it once but um the first lyric is um in early 99 i beat the ocarina of time i'm quite the legend in this town uh which i feel like uh megan ghost wrote yes uh, i absolutely <laughs> did except the differences is uh, like it would have because in early 99 i was eight years old so the, the the quality of the the gamer that i was at eight and the quality of the gamer who was playing it you know in their 20s in, in, in 88 in 98 is just a uh, 99 is just a different quality of gamer because i would have been like and, and and at eight i would have been like i really like it because it's pink and he wears green and green is my favorite color and um i like rudo because she's blue <laughs> yeah you would <laughs> absolutely and whereas a 22 year old would have been like so in this level let me tell you and just would have gone just 
apeshit on like how they beat the game and I was eight so I didn't really care so much about beating the game as it was about uh, how fun the colors were. <laughs> I think that's um I think that's like part of the appeal of uh, a game like this and of games of like the like sort of N64 quality is because um it's really graspable for young children. Absolutely. And I feel like that's kind of coming back with like Animal Crossing and things like that. You know these like these happy accessible graphics, you know, the tell a story that like adults can kind of can make as complex as they want to, but can be fairly simple as well. Exactly. And I think one of the reasons why I was so drawn to it as a child is because its main character, uh, main characters, all of them, are children in at least the beginning of the game. And I actually did not beat the game when I was a kid uh, because I was scared. It was terrifying to me. Uh, the idea that I could die in a game was not something I was w willing or ready to grasp at eight. <laughs> so I was able to, I think at most, beat the first level, uh, which is uh, relatively simple. It's a good introduction to the game. But I had to put it down, and I didn't pick it up again until probably 2003, 2004. And I beat it again when I was 13, 14, 15 years old. And I just kept beating it over and over and over again. And, um, oh no, yeah, I was definitely 14 or younger, because it was before we had moved uh, in my house. So, so anyway... So this game is just uh, The Legend of Zelda in general. So Robin Williams did name his daughter after uh, The Legend of Zelda, Zelda character. However, the Zelda that she's named after is more of the original Zelda than anybody like than anybody who would be naming their child Zelda nowadays who's like, oh yeah, it's Zelda after uh, Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Spirits. And you're like, ah, it's a weird game for you to choose name to, let, to name your kid. Ah, it's fine. I really enjoyed it. So, uh... So there's just a gigantic timeline. The Legend of Zelda, you know, it, 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 it encompasses many, 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 many millennia and centuries. Uh, the main gist of the story is that you have three characters that are almost integral to every game, with the exception of, uh, a, I mean, a couple of games do not focus on these three characters. Uh, but they always at least have one, and that's Link. <laughs> and and you have, uh, so you have Link, Zelda, and Ganon, or Ganondorf, as he's referred to in this game. And these characters are, I mean, they're, they're your, your hero, and your hero's love, and your villain, your, your traditional trio, like, you know, your Sleeping Beauty, your Prince Philip, your Maleficent, your, your Cinderella, your uh, Prince Charming, your evil stepmother. And it's, it's very much built in a very traditional structure. And these, so the, the reason that these three characters appear in almost every Zelda game, or without a doubt, at least 80% of them, is because, uh, canonically, there is, uh, I, the first game in the series actually was released like, well, the first game canonically was actually released like 15th or something, and, and it set up the lore of the Legend of Zelda universe, which is that Zelda, Link, and Ganon were doomed or, I guess, prophesized to always be uh, reincarnated every 50 to 100 to 150 years uh, to fight each other or, or to save Hyrule. Hyrule is your main country, your main continent of origin, and... Uh, Zelda would always be born to the to the royal family. Link would always be born a commoner, and Ganon would always be born of the Gerudo. 
And those are your three main. Uh, so Zelda's never going to be a commoner. Ganon's never going to be a Hylian. And Link's never going to be a royal. Uh, it's always They're always going to fall into these very th strict three categories. Because that is how it has been prophesized. And every game, uh, not every game, but you know, you do have the games that take place in between, let's say, uh, uh, you know, beating Ganon or whatnot. Uh, or before Ganon is, uh, is awakened again. And uh, so for Ocarina of Time, however, in terms of the timeline... There's games before Ocarina, but where Ocarina occurs, there's a split. There's a three-way split that occurs uh, after the events of Ocarina, which aren't really integral to the uh, game at this moment, because I'll tell you what happens after. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the, but based on the events in Ocarina, there are three timelines. And it's, it's created a very, very confusing universe for the fans, but it also creates a universe in which if you are, if the first game you're ever picking up is uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you'll be able to understand and play Zelda. If the first game you're picking up of Legend of Zelda is Skyward Sword, you'll be able to understand Legend of Zelda. If the first game is Wind Waker, you'll be able to understand it. Because all of these games, while they are connected, it is, it is the connections of, uh, of like, it's, it's the equivalent of a connection, like, you, you remember when you watched the first Guardians of the Galaxy and you were like, oh, okay, that will connect eventually at some point, but it was a standalone film in its I, own. I was just about to make the Marvel comparison because I think that's such an effective way to market your stuff. Like, we talked about this earlier in the um, Series of Unfortunate Events episode where the first several books are self-contained. And, um, you know, you can... Uh, and later on you have to have read the books before but like with all the marvel movies it's like you have to have seen like 15 marvel movies to understand like who shows up in what movie and now and i'm happy to pick up a game and just be able to play it like yes. i don't give a shit about video games like, exactly and i mean with with the the thing is marvel cinematic universe jig used to have this this thing of you could watch like a, the just doctor strange and not feel like you had to watch anything else or you could watch you know just Thor and not feel like you had to watch anything else. I mean, you could if you want to, but you didn't need to. And that's very much how the Legend of Zelda universe operates. You don't need to play every game. If you want to, it creates this large, lush picture of what this universe is like, but every game is standalone in their own right. So with Ocarina of Time, uh, you... So luckily, since this is another game that you can play standalone, you don't need to have played any additional games before it or after. Uh, you 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 are Link. You are always Link. You're no matter what. Uh, there is one constant in the Legend of Zelda universe, and that is you will always be playing as Link. And so you you're a child. You wake up one morning and you are in the Kokiri Forest. And the Kokiri Forest is a area just. Right outside of uh, Hyrule, it's on, it's on, it's in Hyrule, but it's it's separated. It's down a path that no people really go down, and the Kokiri are uh, protectors of the forest in in the easiest way to describe it. They're they're eternal children. They're immortal, and they don't. I mean, they're immortal in the sense that you know they're immortal unless they're murdered, <laughs> um, and uh, they they don't. They don't ever leave the forest. The forest is their is their home. It's their sanctuary, and in the forest is the great protector of the forest, the great Deku Tree. The great Deku Tree is something along a god-like figure to a father-like figure to these uh, these eternal children. The forest spirit. The forest. Well, actually, that's the thing. Is there's uh, it, it's kind of it, it's it's hard to like say because I feel like with uh with with Zelda, you have you have very specific like deities. So, uh, you know, with the Deku Tree, he is 
I wouldn't say so much a spirit. I mean, you could use the word spirit, but I think spirit means something different in the in the canon of Zelda. Spirit is something like what you, you like where you go after you pass type situation. And um, so like God implies a lot more power, a lot more control. And the thing is with the Kokiri, they all respect him. In a, and I mean, it's a tree. It's a tree with a mustache. Um, that okay that changes everything it's a tree with a, a, tree with a very big mustache i love and him it's, it's a, he's amazing and he uh he wakes you up one morning he wakes you up by sending a fairy over to you and navi the fairy is uh kind of i'd say she, navi's not tied to any particular kokiri because one of the things that makes a kokiri a kokiri besides the ability to stay a child forever is the fact that they always have a fairy next to them and Link never had one, so he was made fun of by the other children of the forest, and and was and was definitely uh, mocked for a lot of different odd reasons. Like I love the other uh, reindeer. <laughs> yeah, just like Kay, you're all rude. <laughs> and uh, so you you are, you are given Navi. Navi isn't so much given to you as Navi is tasked with guiding you through your quest that the Great Deku Tree is about to impart on you. So you. Head on over to the Great Deku Tree, sword and shield in hand. Uh, the sword you just grab because it's nearby and there's a Kokiri <laughs> sword and it's like, hey, there's a big chest with a sword in it, go get it. And you're like, all right, I'll go get it. Um, and so you, you go to the Great Deku Tree. And the, the Deku Tree basically tells you, in, in not so many words, uh, there's an evil wicked man from the West, the desert, and he's, uh, he's coming to like take over Hyrule he's, he's an evil man and you have to stop him and you're like okay and uh then he's like I'm also speaking of that evil guy remember we talked about him yes yes okay so he put like a curse inside me and you're like ah okay what do you need me to do about it <laughs> and he he basically says I need you to go inside and and get rid of the curse so you go in and you find out oh that curse is in fact a gigantic spider her name is Queen Goma. She doesn't do much other than be a spider and try to kill you. It's basically what every boss figure in the game does. It's just like, I'm a thing and I try to kill you. Oh, I'm okay. Gonna, I'm right, going to be myself good. and try to kill you. Exactly. It's it's very, it's very you know, self-explanatory. Great for kids. Um, so you beat Queen Goma and you, uh, the Great Deku Tree is very, very thankful for your help. He gifts you the Kokiri Emerald, which is the spiritual stone of the forest. It is something of great, great importance to the forest. It usually never leaves the forest. It never leaves the forest because it is one of three pieces needed to open the door of time, which contains the master sword within. And it's the equivalent of, you know, it, you need you need to be able to collect all these pieces separately and individually and then assemble them together because otherwise anyone could just grab the master sword and run on out. And it's, 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 a, it's a very, you know, it, it all has to do with heroism and, and going through these trials to prove that you are worthy to obtain this stone. So uh, the Great Deku Tree hands you this spiritual stone and then gives you a story on the creation of Hyrule. Mm -hmm. The creation of Hyrule focuses on three main goddesses. You've got Faror, Nehru, and Din. Faror is the goddess of wisdom. Din is the, sorry, Nehru is the goddess of love. And Din is the goddess of fire. I'm sorry, fire, power. And, uh, and it's it's just this creation story. They all work together to create the earth, the the green, the the, the water, the people, the animals, everything that populates Hyrule. Okay. These goddesses created. Right. And uh, there's also a fourth goddess. It's not ever introduced in this game, but there's a goddess named Hylia, which is why or 
Hylia. It's, it's, I personally like Hylia, but whatever. Um, a lot of, half the fandom is just screaming about uh, pronunciation, which is honestly not a bad thing to be screaming about in, in a fandom. So. <laughs> yeah, if that's the biggest of your problems, I think you're okay. Yeah, like... we're okay. So, uh, so you, you find out that at the end of this creation, at the end of the creation of Hyrule, Furor, Nehru, and Din decided to consolidate their power into the Triforce. And there's the Triforce of Power, the Triforce of Wisdom, and the Triforce of Courage. Oh, okay. Fun fact, everyone. At Megan's wedding at the rehearsal dinner, their cake, the cake for the rehearsal dinner was the Triforce. I just want to like... It was actually the Hylian Shield. Which it was delicious. <laughs> which includes the Triforce on it, because the Triforce is the crest of the royal family. In the way that, you know... For a lot of, I think a lot of families, uh, like royal families, especially historically, they do tie a lot to the religion. So, for instance, like if we're just even going more modern, I mean the the Anglican Church and and uh, even the most mo in the modern, you know, Queen Elizabeth royal family, they are tied to each other, very much so. And the same thing with this god, these goddesses and the Triforce and the Hyrule royal family. The 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 Triforce is their crest. So, uh, I mean, it, it's probably, it probably is less tongue in cheek than like putting a, like crucifix on your, um, crest, but it is a part of it. And it's, it's, I guess the easiest way to describe, uh, how Link reacts to this crazy story is he doesn't say anything because that's not what Link does. And then the great Deku tree dies in front of him and he's like, well, that's uh goodbye. And he leaves, just backs on out and... As he's running out of the okay. forest. Yeah, just, just, I mean, in the way a 10-year-old would. He's a 10-year-old. I mean, I can't imagine that if your tree daddy died, you'd be like, I don't, I don't know what death is. I'm leaving. And, I, I think and, if my, yeah, I think if my tree daddy died after imparting me with a wealth of information that will, like, radic radically change my life, I'd kind of just be like, all right, deuces, and then just go. Yeah, basically. And that's what it is. He, he jets out. He heads out of the forest. And uh, he runs into Surya, who is his best friend. Surya and Link get to, have been getting along as close as possible for however long Link has been a part of the forest. Uh, the reason Link is a part of the Kokiri, even though he doesn't have a fairy, is because his mother, uh, years ago, dropped him off as an infant in front of the Kokiri forest. He was saved by the children, brought to the Deku Tree, and the Deku Tree decided to keep him and raise him amongst the Kokiri. Okay. Uh, and it is because the Deku Tree was able to discern from this child that this is the Link of Legend, and they needed to protect him and save him at all costs. They did not tell him any of this information, because, you know, you can't just sit a four-year-old down and go, so listen... I've got some things to tell you. So, <laughs> so Link and Saria have just been keeping each other company and, and uh, being being uh, just there for each other. And before and Saria can't leave; she can't join you. So before you leave, she hands you her fairy ocarina and she says, "You know, I, I hope to see you soon." And then what you do is you head to Hyrule Castle to talk to Zelda, who the Great Deku Tree has mentioned as being an integral part of this story. And you go into Hyrule Castle Market. And then immediately into the castle because it's guarded as well as like I am literally trying to think like like it's the equivalent of like uh like a Pandora store that's got nobody in it and you're just like I'm gonna go in and they're like yeah you no problem go on in <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give a weird like example from like my college days I used to sneak into hotels like all the time and like steal shit from like their dining rooms because I was a poor college student so like and that's like fancy hotels so Damn. it's probably like that 
<laughs> wow, what a power move. I mean, because the thing is, you can literally, like, if you walk in front of their faces, they're like, you're a child, please leave. Yeah, but no. If you walk behind their backs, and I mean literally, you could be two inches within a guard's back. As long as you don't hit them or walk in front of them, they're like, huh. The wind sounds heavy today. I think the key to it, really, and I, <laughs> is either walking behind them or just walking with enough certainty that you look like you belong there. And I'm sure that's what um, Link is doing. Like, even even if you're a 10-year-old, no one is going to fucking question you if you just beeline to the bathroom. <laughs> it's actually really funny, because once you get past, like, the, the four layers of guards that you need to get to Zelda, once you get into, like, Zelda's main chamber... <laughs> Nobody's there. She's just her, just sitting in a window, and she's like, what's going on? And oh. like, <laughs> well, okay. There isn't and, some guy like, I'm gonna cut your nuts off. There isn't. She doesn't have anybody close by. Like, Impa's not even there. And we'll get to who Impa is in a moment. So, you meet Zelda. And Zelda is just sitting in her courtyard area, just staring through a window. And she describes to you this evil man from the desert that the, that the great Deku Tree had mentioned. His name is Ganondorf. He is, uh prophesized just in the same way that Zelda and Link are prophesized. Uh, so Ganondorf is a Gerudo, and a Gerudo is specifically a race of women. They're entirely women, and no matter what, a Gerudo, when they get pregnant, will always give birth to another girl. It's just how they continue being in existence. And uh, it doesn't matter who they get pregnant with, it's just going to be a Gerudo. Like, is it a boy? Is it a girl? It's a Gerudo. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and and Ganondorf is the first boy born in a hundred years, which is prophesized. It is just something that happens every a hundred years or, or so a boy is born. And he is always told that he will lead the Gerudo. He will, you know, champion them and bring them out of the desert and all this stuff. Yeah, he does not do that. He is not no Moses. He's not doing anything for those ladies. He basically, his first mission is to, as, as you know, the new chieftain, quote unquote, is that he goes to Hyrule Castle and tries to get in the good graces of the king. And Zelda the entire time goes, this smells fucking weird and I don't like it. And she then tells Link that she needs him to, you know, go to the river, go to the mountain and grab these other spiritual stones, like get these other spiritual stones, get into the chamber of, uh, sorry, the Temple of Time, get the Master Sword, and where, where not just the Master Sword is, but the Triforce that lies within the Master Sword and save it from Ganon's clutches. Because if he gets it, world's over as we know it. Okay. So Sorry. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big, miss, a big mission for one 10 year old to be giving another 10 year old. But then again, I've also seen a ton of like 10 year old missions and you're like, man, these are heavy shit. Yeah. <laughs> is Ganondorf also 10 or is he an adult? No, Ganondorf is the equivalent of, uh, I'd say a 25 to 30 year old man. I didn't, it. I realized I did not tell you that before. Yeah, no, Ganondorf's an absolute adult. Throwing hands with a ten-year-old, cool, awesome, <laughs> and it's great because Ganondorf uh, is is truly evil for the sake of evil. He's not he's not really someone who's like I'm going to you know take over Hyrule because I want my people who have been you know cordoned off to the desert to to be able to go everywhere. It's just like no, nah, I just wanted to control also, everything. That's some fucking patriarchal bullshit. How like is he is born and he's automatically chief because he's a man. Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's even it's even funnier because uh, what what happens is is 
as you go through the game, you will, you know, go to the Gerudo and you'll find out, no, he's not their chieftain. He's not anybody in charge of them. He's literally just a dude that was born to them. And they were like, oh, so you want to, you want to help out? And he's like, no, peace and out. And they have a different uh, tribe leader uh, and her name is Naburu and she's the head of the Gerudo tribe for, you know, most of the, the events of the game. And it's not, it's, he really has no saying with regards to the people that he comes from. He's just of them and he's prophesized and he believes he's important because of it. So, and it's, it's, it's amazing because if you talk to the Gerudo as you go throughout the game, they're just, they really don't even care about him. They're just like, they're, <laughs> they're just like, like, he's a piece of shit. We don't really care. They're like Mariah Carey when asked about Ariana Grande. It's like, I don't know her. Never met him. I don't ne- know. I don't know him. I have no, who? He's a prophecy. I don't know. And like his mom's like, I don't know who he is. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, I can't read suddenly. I don't know. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so you after you're done with uh, talking to Zelda, as you go to leave, you run into Impa, and Impa is the protector. She's a uh, part of the Sheikah tribe, and it's a tribe of warriors, uh, white-haired warriors who. Uh, are imparted to protect the royal family for forever. They've been, as long as there's been a royal family in Hyrule, there's been someone of the Sheikah tribe or the entire tribe has been destined to protect them. And it's the king, the queen, and the children. Yes. And uh, Sheikahs and, uh, Sheikahs are rapidly dying out. Impa's one of the last few. There's not a lot of them left. And uh, Impa, before you go, Impa gives you Zelda's lullaby and tells you, use this song. It's It's got a lot of power in these notes. And you don't really know what that means, but uh, music ends up having a lot of, like, your ocarina has a lot of power in this world just due to the fact that it's it's a magical world. It's it's something that it is it's it's impossible to describe how music has this power, but it just does. So it's you know you then go to the forest. So you don't go to the forest. You go to the you go to the mountain, which is where the Gorons are. And the Gorons are rock people. They're basically anthropomorphic rocks, but not so much so anthropomorphic. Like it's more rock, less people than they are. Like they really just are rocks with arms and like elbows and hands and legs and knees and like you're just like this is a rock with limbs it's great it's awesome um if it's it's as horrifying as you imagine and uh so your your main contact so where saria is your main contact in the forest your main contact in the uh mountain is uh darunia he's the chieftain of the gorons he's a little bit of a hothead i get it because he lives in a volcano and um, (laughs) and so he his main job is to uh lead this tribe of, of weird rock people and they eat rocks and, and that's how you know they survive they've just kind of been living there they're really resistant to heat they don't really care too much about most things um they try to stay uninvolved with the hyrule life they're just really enjoying their own thing and uh, there's a town at the bottom they don't really care about the town they don't the town doesn't really care about them they've all kind of respected each other's existence so darunia says hey so the cave where we normally get all the best taste in rocks that one is uh, currently uh, occupied by a crazy dinosaur who's trying to kill us all. So could you just take care of that 10-year-old boy? And uh, you're like, yeah, I got you, bro. And you kill the crazy dinosaur. And uh, Daruni is like, sweet, awesome. Here is your spiritual stone. Have a great day. Hope to see you soon. Bye. And, and so then you go to the river and you're at Zora's River, which is... It's, it's a long, winding river that at the end of the river, you'll see a, a waterfall, like a large, large waterfall. And in order to get into Zora's Domain, you need to have Zelda's Lullaby to play on top of a royal crest so that the 
that the music will cause the water to split and reveal an entrance and you go inside and the Zora are fish people. They're anthropomorphic fish people. I, I, I think that's the best way to describe basically anything. It's like, it's, it's just, you know, anthropomorphic rocks, anthropomorphic fish, little children. Like, it's just great. And it's like, it's like imagine it. Well, imagine it being kind of human-like. Yeah, and that's I mean, what... kind of. Like, we're not going to have big fish titties on nobody. Like, calm down here, everybody, all right? Yeah, no, this is this is not something for, like, furry and rock enthusiasts. Imagine. imagine I'm really they, into rocks. What do they call, what do they call that? What would they call that? Like a, like, a, like a sedimentarist or something like that? Like an igneous... Igne- all I can think of is a Breaking Bad joke and being like, they're minerals, but it's they're not minerals. They're rocks and just... I have no idea. It's the idea of someone getting off to that is horrifying to me. Um, Listen, but, but no. So getting back to it, uh, you have Rudo, and Rudo is the princess of the Zora. King Zora can't find her. Oh no! What happened to her? Link, if you can find her, you'll get the spiritual stone. There you go. That that should be easy enough. She's a kid. How hard can she be to find? You're a kid. Kids find each other all the time. Turns out. Rudo is inside the belly of the deity of the Zora, which is Jabu Jabu. Big old fish. The reason uh, Rudo's inside Jabu Jabu is because Rudo was offering their daily, you know, sacrificial fish. Just the one that's not a human, like the one that's a fish. And and uh, Jabu Jabu opened its mouth and instead of, like, placing the fish in, sucked suck the princess and the fish and everybody else in. So you get the exact same treatment done to you because it turns out Jabu Jabu has also a corruption, just like the tree does, just like the mountain does. Oh, so it's like Monstro the whale, essentially. Exactly, exactly. And actually has a Monstro kind of feel as well. And uh, so you, what you do is you get rid of the corruption. It's a it's an electrical anemone. And you, you rescue Rudo, and she says before she hands you the spiritual stone, she's like... Just so you know, this is an engagement ring of my people. So if you take that, that means we're getting engaged. At age and you're and you're like you're like I I mean I really can't argue with this. I need it, so I'm taking it. <laughs> and like you're like the terms of your agreement are fine because I'm ten and it doesn't matter. And well, I mean, like arranged marriage is a thing, like between like kids like oh yeah you're like i'm gonna marry you and we're gonna have babies or like two group two groups of parents are like yeah like i have a 10 year old male child and you have a 10 year old female child and when they're like 20 they're gonna get married and it's just so yeah it's just it's just like cute things that you say when they're younger yeah um so okay so you get all the spiritual stones and you're like all right Time to head back to Hyrule. Everything's looking good. Uh, day is saved. Ganon's going to be defeated. I am ready to go on home. Uh, that is not the case. Um, <laughs> we have reached the halfway point between uh, like the, the, the beginning of the game and the end of the game. So you're heading to Hyrule Castle. You're like, cool. All right. Everything's looking good. The sky's getting really dark. That's a weird in-game mechanic that's never been used before. <laughs> and uh, turns out, as you're walking up towards the castle, the, the drawbridge lowers. Impa and Zelda take off on a white horse. Zelda being hunched over by Impa, just going as fast as they possibly can. Zelda makes eye contact with you, throws something in your general direction. It lands in the moat. You follow it over with your eyes. Then you look back up to see her. She's gone. It's Ganon instead. (laughs) And Ganon's like, ah, it's a kid. This is a small child. I'm just going to use some kind of lightning magic. And then I'll go off and chase Zelda. And that's what he does. He does. He goes, he, uh, he knocks you off your ass into the moat and, uh, leaves. 
and you're like, ah, oh, that's going to make me angry at some point in the future. But not right now. I'm 10 and he's an adult. So you instead go digging in the moat or like swimming in the moat to see exactly what it was that Zelda threw at you. Turns out it was the Ocarina of Time. Whoa, namesake. Roll credits. We did it. Um, <laughs> so this is good. This is great. We're just riffing. Um, so basically you then are like, okay, well, Zelda was supposed to be here, but I'm certain I can still beat everybody and everything will just be fine. So you go to the Temple of Time, which is this, uh, you know, it's, it's a religious temple of sorts outside of the castle, but inside the Hyrule Square Market. So you have the market and right outside the market is your Temple of Time. So you go inside, it's playing this this very erythral, you know, uh, song. It's called the Song of Time, kind of chanting Tibetan monk kind of chanting. It's amazing, though. It's beautiful. And um, you lay down the three spiritual stones. And as the as the uh, stones leave your grasp, they float in the air and they, they you know, go to their respective places. So uh, so you open the door of time and inside is the master sword. And it's, in, it's very Arthurian. It's inside of a pedestal in the middle of a very obvious looking room that's like all white and marble and it, it's very like you can tell there's something important whoever can pull this sword from this pedestal is an important person so link in all of his wisdom just is like i'm gonna grab it and he grabs it and he pulls it out immediately it's it's kind of insane how this, there's no hesitation whatsoever on his part and you pull this sword out and you then notice that the sword is most of the length of your body and you're like this is cool and then in that exact same moment you the the room whites out. Uh, just an overwhelming light just takes over the entire room. And you hear laughter, uh, evil laughter, on the behalf of Ganondorf. And he then says, you're an idiot. You fell for my trick. I enchanted the sword so that when you pulled it, time would you would no longer be able to exist in this time you have to wait now you have to wait until i am done with my work and then you can go back and he gets access to the triforce in that same moment he had cursed the sword so what mm -hmm. happens is after link pulls the, so the sword out of the uh the pedestal seven years pass immediately in the blink of an eye for link when it's not the blink of an eye for anyone else but it is the blink of an eye for link and he wakes up in the chamber of sages which is mostly empty except for this one dude named Reiru and he's like yeah what up hey it's been seven years and <laughs> Navi in the exact same moment is just flying all around you going oh my god you got so big as if like this isn't freaking you out enough already you were 10 16 seconds ago and now you're 17 <laughs> which if we're going by like you know a historical 17 you're now a fully grown adult male and you are just freaked out a little bit but so not so much that you're like like inconvenienced you're just like this is weird all right what do you need I me to do feel like that's link's mentality throughout this entire thing though you it's know Link's like mentality i think yeah throughout this entire game i wouldn't say throughout every game but i feel like for a lot of the games he's just kind of like eh, all right like, i'm literally waiting for him to have like a like at least a 30 second meltdown about something like i would love to see that within i feel like every play. meltdown that link has is when no the only meltdown you're gonna actually gonna probably get from link is probably at the end of the game and it's not even a meltdown it's just kind of like this show of emotion so he he wakes up and he 
Ray Rue's like, hey, so uh, here's your mission. And he tells you exactly what you have to do as an adult. So in the seven years that you've been gone, Ganon is basically shit over everyone and uh, just taken over, like, driven the royal family out of Hyrule Castle, uh, taken over the castle, made it into this gigantic, you know, very obvious evil villain lair. He's uh, <laughs> he's, ta- he's taken Death Mountain, which was, you know, a very peaceful, dormant volcano, and, and it's made the volcano ex- erupt every day. Uh, Zora's River, he has frozen over, and in, in case the people in ice uh the kokiri he is overrun with monsters it is just uh hell on earth basically for everyone there's a a character that i didn't mention before malon was a a small child uh you meet as a child and and she you know she has some witty banter with you back and forth she she her and her father talon own a ranch and she introduces you to this horse named epona and it's very cute and it's very nice turns out her future is that uh her the stable hand that her father hired several years ago <laughs> has decided to take over the entire corral to take over the entire ranch and is imprisoned both Malon and her father and and he basically is he was given this power because Ganon says yeah I don't really like Talon he looks pretty nice and I don't like that and if you take over then you can marry Malon and he's like sweet I'm good and his name's Ingo and he's an asshole but there's not not, not that he impacts the plot too much but I just wanted to let you know I hate him <laughs> it's good to know where you stand. It's good to know. So, uh, so yeah. So Rayru then ex- tells you exactly what's going to be happening, and he's like, "So you've got to go to each of these places and help them. You've got to go to the forest. You've got to go to the mountain. You've got to go to the river. And then there's two additional places that he hasn't yet mentioned. You haven't yet visited, at least. You have to go to the graveyard." Um, because there's just a lot of unrest there. And then you have to go to the Spirit Temple, which is located way out in the Gerudo Desert. And it is a place where, you know, it is a it is a very holy place for the Gerudo. And it is something that, you know, is, it's, it's, it's really hard to, ex- like, extrapolate on how Link just has to deal with all of this when he's like, some of these places I haven't been before. I did go to the graveyard, but what are you talking about Spirit Temple? Like- <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, 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 you're given this much larger, lusher mission. And what happens is, is every person that you have encountered thus far, so Impa, uh, Saria, Rudo, Darunia, and uh, Naburu, who I had mentioned before is the chieftain of the uh, of the Gerudo tribe, you then run into them as adults. Uh, well, for for anyone who was a child is now an adult. So Saria's going to be a child forever. Uh, but Rudo is now an adult. Um, Malon is now an adult. Anybody who was a kid the last time you spoke to them that can age does. And so you you have to go to these temples. You are, as you leave the uh, forest, sorry, as you leave the Temple of Time, you run into Sheik, who is a young man of the Sheikah tribe, the last of his tribe. Everyone else has been murdered by Ganon and his disciples, and uh, Sheik is the last. And Sheikah then is not just a guide to uh, tell you exactly what's been going on in each place that you've been at. She could kind of she, she kind of tells you what occurs in the seven years, but also when you get to each location. So when you get to the graveyard, when you get to the mountain, when you get to the forest temple, Sheik appears and he gives you a song uh, to be able to teleport there a lot quicker than having to travel through it multiple times. So for the forest temple, that's your first stop. Uh, it's... It's a large fortress that that the Kokiri have not used ever. It is something that's obviously very man-made. It is not of the forest. So Ganon has found this fortress and he's he's cursed it. Uh, there are ghosts roaming around the halls, skeleton monsters, and the ba- the boss of that level is an enchanted phantom phantom version of himself on a horse. 
And uh, because of all this, you know, the, the Kokiri have been run into their homes and they're not allowed to leave. And Surya, in an attempt of heroism and bravery, she tries to fight these monsters off. And you get to the Forest Temple before you can save her. You never even get to see her, really. And uh, oh, she, she passes so away. And what happens is, is when you do defeat the Forest Temple and you defeat the bosses, she reawakens as the Forest Sage, a Sage of the Forest, and she she tells you that, you know, you will always be my friend. And she's that's the first... That's the first place you're really hitting home is is that this is your friend. This is somebody who you've known all your life. And then you go to the fire temple. And that is a another kind of man-made structure that not necessarily uh, the Gorons could have created. It could have been something from before the Gorons. It could have been a subset. And it's really hard to determine who built this. It's definitely not Goron-like construction, though, based on the Dodongo's cavern that you went to. So you, you go into Goron... Uh, you go into the fire temple and... You see Darunia, who is still alive, still kicking, and he's about to enter the boss chamber. He's got his hammer, and he's like, I am going to uh, take on this evil dragon that is popped out of the ground. This evil, long-dead dragon. I'm, I got you. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna, you don't even have to worry. I got this. You're gonna be fine. No, okay. he does not, he does not survive, though. Oh, I mean, they all don't. That's the point. Is I know, I know. It's just like <laughs> it's still sad. Like, oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the the one really good redeeming factor is that when you do defeat every level, uh, the main character that went to fight, that went up to bat for you to fight for you, is reawakened as a sage. So Darunia is reawakened as the sage of the Forest Temple. He reawakens and he uh, he says we'll always be brothers. And it's this family, this kind of family love that you that he has for you with Ruta when you go to the water temple when she also does not survive the 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 bosses in the in the temple and and she reawakens as the water sage and she says she she reminisces on the fact that you know she loved him as a child she loved him even if it was only three days that they spent together or four days children fall in love pretty quick Um, that's enough for most media like exactly and and she you know she does reminisce she says you know i I wish we could have i wish and it's this it's this horribly heartbreaking moment and uh then you have the shadow temple with impa and impa was always zelda's protector zelda's guardian and now Impa can't be here to do that. Impa's, it's, I mean, it's very much in the way that, you know, when a guardian figure passes away and you as the spouse or, or the partner, you take their hand and they, they, they hold your hand and they say, protect her for me. It is, that is what Impa is to Link. Link is, is being imparted and told by Impa when she awakens as a sage of shadow watch over her because I can't anymore and I need you to. Well, that's a classic literary device. It's like the the uh, the guide or the mentor has to die in order for, or has to disappear in some way in order for the characters to truly evolve. Exactly, so, yeah. except this one decided to do it second to last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like like any any do oh. influence, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So then you have your last spirit, your last uh, spirit, uh, sage, is your spirit sage, and that's Niburu. Uh, Niburu is, is, is in such a rough situation because in order to fully realize Niburu's effect on the plot, you have to go back and forth in time a lot. You have to fuck around, you have to just, you know, put the sword back in the pedestal, you become a child again. <gasps> Everyone's still alive, Saria's still alive, Rudo's still alive, can't celebrate it, gotta save the world. So you go back, you travel over to the spirit temple, you you interact with Niburu. She makes some weird like sex jokes that you don't really understand because you're a kid and I'm a kid and everybody's a kid playing this game. Hopefully Except just for Justin Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and she makes like some weird jokes and then you're like all right whatever she does treat you very adult like um and then you become an adult and you and it's instead of her talking down to you you have to save her she is tortured by the bosses of this of this uh, temple there are twin rova a set of 400 year old twin witches who are just evil because they're old as fuck and they hate life. I mean, what is the point anymore? And you beat them, you do. But before you beat them, you have to watch them suck Naburu into the into a vortex in the in the sand. You have to watch them enchant a suit of armor to uh to put Naburu inside of that she cannot escape. And the only way she's able to escape it is when you go to fight that suit of armor. You have no idea who's inside of it. You assume it's just an evil like sub boss, and you beat it and you kill her. And it is just insane in terms of like what Link has to experience in that moment. But she does reawaken as the Sage of Spirit. And she's, she's all, while she is the Spirit Sage, she's very much of the physical. She's, she's this very, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, she's very much just of this physical like world. She's got a very, good body she's she wears pink as a separation from the other gerudo she's so more in touch with the physicality and i think she may be one of those gerudo who's like actively going out to like try to get pregnant to make more gerudo in the world and before you leave so whereas impa has told you to protect and and rudo has told you she loved you and then saria told you she was your friend forever <laughs> naburu's like man i wish i had known you were gonna be so handsome when you grew up and you're like Okay. Oh, You're, she's one. Oh, oh no. She's but one of I those. mean, she's I, not, I, the thing is, the thing I, is, at the end of the day, I have no idea how old Nibiru is. Nibiru could be fifteen at the start of the game. Like when you were a child, she's a fifteen-year-old tribe leader because why wouldn't she be? The Zelda universe has canonically has had younger girls be the head of the tribe. Uh, but there's no way for me to absolutely know for certain how old Nibiru is. What I can tell you though is that her, Nibiru and Link are much close. It, I mean, it's the equivalent of Anakin Skywalker and Padme in uh, Star Wars. Oh yeah, like ten and like thirteen or fourteen or something. Exactly like that. Yeah. that kind, like you can obviously tell based on the first Star Wars, one of you is very much a kid, uh, and one of you's maybe a teenager. And then you go to the second Star Wars, and you're like, well, that age gap closed very significantly, very quickly. And that's and that's basically what it is with Nibiru and, and Link. But you know, it's it's not an intense, serious relationship. It's just kind of a more like flirtatious one. And so, okay, so you've gotten everything. You got all the, you know, you got all his medallions. You got a pony. It's great. Um, <laughs> and so you go back to the Temple of Time because that's always where you got to go back to. So you go back to the Temple of Time and Sheik is there to greet you. And Sheik says, hey, I have a funny story. And then Sheik uh, puts their hands together uh, in like a kind of a cross-like almost. And you see on the palm, on the back of the palm of their hand, on the back of their hand, they have a Triforce piece that is glowing. And Link's also glow like link also has a triforce piece inside of him that is glowing and in that moment it is revealed that sheik has been masquerading as, as a sheik a man and is in fact princess zelda and has been doing so for several years in order to cape out of ganon's sight and in that moment ganon drawn by the power of the triforce all to all pieces he then kidnaps zelda and very much in you know your mario kind of-esque way and he says come and get me and you do you do you climb up his castle and you beat him you it, it takes a it takes a you know a decent amount of effort and and lots of puzzles to follow through but you get up to the top level and you confront ganondorf you 
shoot him with light arrows, which are which were gifted to you by Zelda before she was kidnapped. As Ganon is someone of pure dark, so you can fight him with light. And in, in a last-ditch attempt, so after you've killed him, what you believe has killed him, you and Zelda escape. You're running through the castle as it's collapsing around you, and then you get to outside and you're like okay we've survived we're safe ganon is dead the evil is defeated nope it's not ganon is not ganon may be dead but he's got this monster inside of him named ganon but ganondorf is dead but this monster inside of him is named ganon and he just decides to i guess like in the way that uh, in hellboy when rasputin died and that big like chthulhu like thing just came out of his body that was so heavy-handed, but like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I really, I really want to tell you that it's it's definitely a, a plot, like a, a device I've seen in other film and cinema. So it was in this video no, game but as with, well. But with wrestling oh, yeah. in, in particular. But go on. Here's the thing: is I can never speak ill about the original Hellboy ever again because the remake was just such garbage. Um. So, so no. So can Ganon reemerges like Ganon's body Ganondorf raises up and his body just kind of explodes into this big horned pig monster that is Ganon because Ganon Ganon in his essence is a pig monster it is this very horrifying beast and the only way you can beat Ganon is with the master sword you deliver the final blows with the master sword you you get him down to a point of of weakness, Zelda is able to use her light magic to hold him, and you deliver the killing blows. You win. You've you've conquered everything. Everything is good. So at the end of the day, you won. And then Zelda and you just are chilling out, and she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna send you back in time now." And he, you're like, "I why?" And she <laughs> basically, and she explains that the reason you were getting sent back in time is because. This has all been corrected now. The future has been saved, but it's been saved because we killed Ganon, which means he won't exist in the past either. And, or, like, we've trapped him in the Shadow Realm. That is, not the Shadow Realm, this is not freaking Yu-Gi-Oh. They've trapped him, is what I'm trying to say. Is Honestly, Ganon is no longer able... <laughs> everything is Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> everything is Yu-Gi-Oh and nothing hurts. Um, no, they've trapped him, they've trapped his spirit, and, and again, the curse is broken. Ganon is defeated. Yes. So, she sends you back to a child, and you... And the last shots of the game are you putting the Master Sword back in its pedestal. Navi flies off and you leave Hyrule. You leave you leave what is basically the only place you've ever known. And that's it, the end of the game. So that means, I mean, there is a good note at the end. The note is that Saria is still alive, Rudo is still alive, Darunia is still alive, Impa is still alive, Zelda is still a child and has all this knowledge to help the future. But you will never be celebrated as a hero because nobody knows who you are. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's rough. It's super rough. I didn't even realize that that was the ending until I rewatched a video of some, of this uh the Hyrule Journals and they were going over it and they're like nobody knows who you are, which makes sense because the game immediately following this one is called Majora's Mask and you are able to take off on Epona and nobody stops you because you really don't you, you really don't belong anywhere anymore. And it's this kind of it's the, the one of the, the one of the major themes of Ocarina of Time is this idea of growing up, going through these trials. And once you've grown up, Navi is really this like this an analogy for for innocence and, and childlike behavior. And after you've experienced all you've experienced as an adult, Navi's like, you don't need me anymore. I'm not here to guide you. You've got it. And you're wow. like, I'm good. I'm good. I just am not good. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that, that make that's fucking deep, man. Like, isn't it? <laughs> so so basically, like 
from what you've told me, and um, we'll round up in like a minute. This will be a longer episode, um, just because there's just so much material to cover, and we have to cover like themes and stuff as well. We can't just like be like, here's the game. Peace. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the basic themes here. I think are Shintoist, uh, like Shintoism religion. And um, I think this is a larger World War II metaphor. Um, and I like, I can see a lot, like the axis of power, especially with Ganondorf, like it is not coincidental that he has a German sounding name. I, I don't, I really don't think it is. Um, even, even if it was not their intention, even if they were trying to have like a, like just a kind of European sounding name as opposed to like, like names that could easily be translated into kanji or names that were more easily Japanese. Like that's a definite, like, you know, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Like, even though, even though Japan was on like the axis of evil, like the very axis, not axis of evil. I think that's what it was called, but axis, um, axis power. So there were the axis and the allies. Yeah. The axis. So it was the axis power. Yeah. They were like sort of on it, but they were like not at the same time. Like they were kind of in a middling space. And when Truman bombed them, it was like a completely different story. And like the uh, Ganondorf ravaging that land is very much like that's like Hiroshima for sure. Like that. I would even so much go so far to say is uh, so it actually. I mean, yeah, the, the World War Two uh, analogy is definitely there, but I think World War Two analogies have been have been used in a lot of uh, Japanese culture. I mean, if I can I can think of Princess Mononoke, the oh, idea no, of industrialism. Oh no, and, that's that's absolutely um, that's absolutely like World War Two stuff. Exactly, and the idea that. Uh, leaving behind this Shintoist belief that nature will put things in balance, that, th- that nature will self-correct. The idea that you're a child and you're purging, you know, the, 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 the curse from the Deku tree, you're purging the curse from Jabu Jabu, you're purging the curse from Death Mountain. It's not that you're, it's not that these were man-made things that were just put in and created to be evil areas. These were already good areas that were like very important to each person or each group of people and you as a child your main goal is to just make them safe again make make it the ability to go to jabu jabu and offer sacrifice oh absolutely i think um i think a people being able to coexist with land as rather than co-opting co-opting land with industrialism and um like because like industry is sort of like when a lot of people cite that like Obviously, like, Shintoism, like, started, like, and sort of, like, nature-based religions and those creation myths started to go away with, like, the infiltration of, like, the Judeo-Christian belief system on, like, great swaths of the world and stuff. And a lot of people think that, like, industrialism is when these things started to crumble and when the world started to take a turn for the worst, when we turned away from nature. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point, like, coexisting with nature. Yeah. And making it safe again, yeah. Exactly. And it's not that, you know, they were not, it's not that nature will self-correct in, in just any kind of way. You do need people to self-correct the actions of others and in terms of nature. And, I mean, another one of the things that I feel is just truly, like, one of the, the, the overarching themes, besides the main adventure plotline of good versus evil, oh, yeah. is the idea that Link is a child. Link is an absolute child in every sense of the word. Even after he becomes a 17-year-old, it's not like his mind becomes a 17-year-old. He didn't experience puberty. He didn't experience Malon hitting on him and asking him to dance. It, it's just he's a 17-year-old 
with the mind of a 10 year old. And it's not really, I mean, it doesn't really impact the story greatly in terms of like the dialogue since he has none. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely this idea of, of childhood versus adulthood. How do you change? Um, one of, one of the, uh, one of the most famous quotes from, uh, Miyamoto, who's the creator of, uh, of Legend of Zelda, uh, specifically the director of Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, yeah. is that, so his name is Shigeru Miyamoto, and he basically, one of his most famous quotes is, I believe there is a, inside the heart of, inside every adult is the heart of a child. It's just, um, you know, we have to start convincing ourselves to act more like adults. And to be, you know, to have that as your, you know, one of your most quotable lines and it really does impact this story that inside the heart of the adult link was very much a child but all of the experiences he went through as a child as an adult child what what have you it, it, it impacts him to the point where he grows up in a way that he shouldn't have but he had to and i think that's a story that a lot of us can relate to we all we all grow up very quickly in certain points and we just don't expect it and it happens and yeah no i think that's um that's an, that's an amazing quote, and it's, like, getting the gears turning in my head and sort of, like, he didn't experience puberty, but that's a metaphor for puberty because, mm -hmm. like, your body looks like an adult, but, yeah. like, you still have the mind of a kid. Like, your, your body is developing faster than you are, and you have to catch up to it. Exactly. And it is truly, and in experiencing his friends die as the 17 year old that is the coming of age that is the sort of like the death and the rebirth and like the reemergence as an adult person and the pain of being an adult person the pain of losing your childhood innocence yeah it's uh it's intense it's intense literally for for so many 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 ways and i think it just becomes more intense as you grow up but that's why it's my favorite it's so, uh, it was so good. I learned so much and I like, I'm really happy. Um, I'm really happy we covered this because I, I always thought that it was like a fun game. Like, and I, but I didn't know why you loved it so much. Cause I saw like these kind of, these nineties graphics and it was just sort of like, okay, it's a kid's game. Like it's a nostalgia factor, but it's so much deeper than that. So oh, it absolutely you. is. So thank and you I, so I would recommend if you do want to get like a full grasp of the story, since you know, nobody really is playing, is using an N64 anymore and you, and to, to download an emulator and all that shit. I would tell you that, uh, there's a, on YouTube, they have a playthrough. It's an eight hour playthrough, eight and a half. And it is just, it is great because the guy who's done it, I can't remember the name. He names his character Teepid, I can tell you that. And, um, <laughs> okay. um, but you do get to read all the dialogue as it's going because it's scrolled. It's not, nothing's voice acted. It's 1998. Um, yeah. so, so I would recommend that. It's just something to, to really enjoy it and to, to kind of get the full grasp of the story because just a synopsis is not, is not enough to really like get this story because it is a, it is a whole, just string of just moods and changes and it's a lot and it's amazing and it's my favorite oh awesome well i that's our show i think uh, we are fairly close to an hour so i think we should close out do you have any last words my dear um no i'm good basically just enjoy your summer stay safe everyone i know restrictions are easing so um just continue to stay safe and continue to you know be smart. All right. Yeah, continue to be smart, use caution, and social distance. And uh, we love you very much. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.